welcome to Prairie Doc Radio, a production of Healing Words Foundation. A big thanks to our sponsor, Avera Medical Group Brookings. My name is Joni Holm, and our guests today are Dr. Rick Holm and Dr. Kelly Evans. So welcome, you guys. Thank you, Joni. Glad to be here. We're glad you're here. So, what, what would you like to start with today? Well, tomorrow's topic which is Native American issues. So we should at least look at that particular, you know, health disparities. If you look at the health that's being provided to the Native American population right now, it, it, it's terrible. We have 50%, 60% more suicide. Um, we have uh, twice as much um, or three times as much diabetes in, in the native uh, population. It's, it's uh, there's a lot of disparity. People are dying five to six years uh, earlier on the res than when they're outside the res. Nutrition, I think, is an issue mm-hmm. without having adequate grocery stores yeah. and. Yeah, they talk about Food deserts. Food deserts in urban areas, but mm-hmm. but a lot of our reservation areas would certainly qualify under that definition. Yeah. Who's your guest tomorrow, Rick? Um, we have Mark Harlow, who is a Rapid City uh, physician who's been involved with trying to help uh, people with uh, drug abuse. And, uh, and he thinks that if we can get started with uh, American Indian uh, we could we could win. It's an achievable goal. It's something we could do. So he and another person, I don't know the other person, will be on tomorrow night. Okay. And he called me and he said, Rick, you've got to do this show. You've got to do this show. You've got to do this. Okay, Mark, I will do it. <laughs> I'll, I'll see if I can find that name of our ex- uh, second guest. Mm-hmm. But it will be a very interesting show. Um, I think... Uh, be bold enough to say in South Dakota that we are not always aware of our native population's uh, needs as much as we should be. So I, I hope that people will tune in and use this as a, a learning tool. You grow up in D. Smith, and the whole world is Norwegian or German. Right. And uh, that's it. Yeah, yeah. Or did your home was Brookings? Brookings, yeah, Brookings. yeah. And you're right. We're, we kind of, it's easy to isolate ourselves from our very close neighbors in some of these communities. I think there's growing evidence and, and theory in regards to some of these health disparities that, you know, it's easy for, it's easy when we talk about in a medical sense. Um, modifiable risk factors, and I'm putting my quote marks Ooh. up. So modifiable Ooh. risk factors for things like heart disease. So diet and activity level and smoking and, and all these things. Well, they're, they're modifiable in a sense, but it's so much more complex with, than that when you take into account 
the environment that a human grows up in and all of the generational and cultural complexities that go along with that. You know, you can't separate someone from no. their entire life of experience. Their whole civilization, you know, their It's their not experience. it's not as simple as we'd like to make it to say, well, just quit smoking and lose weight. It's it's just not that simple and so mm. all of these things and and, and we're not just talking about heart disease. You mentioned mental health and suicide all of the cultural complexity that you know we can't as a medical provider is not something that i can just wave a magic wand and prescribe a medicine and fix those things yeah. these are big societal issues yeah and uh so how do you fix them mm -hmm. <laughs> all right i did find our second guest's name and this is very interesting her name is Geraldine church and she's the ceo of the great plains tribal chairman's health board so we'll certainly bring like an excellent guest. fabulous information mm -hmm. for us. So we do hope that you'll tune in to uh, On Call with the Prairie Doc, 7 o'clock p.m. on Tomorrow Thursday. Um, and today, I didn't mention that we'd love to have your questions. If you want to call us at 692-1430, and it doesn't, it can be on any topic. Um, so uh, please we, give us a call. We would love any question. Should we take our first break? Okay, very good. We'll be right back. By living a healthy lifestyle, you can lower your risk for heart disease and heart attack. A healthy lifestyle includes the following. Eating a healthy diet, maintaining a healthy weight, getting enough physical activity, not smoking or using other forms of tobacco, and limiting alcohol use. All the providers at the Avera Medical Group Brookings hope you will follow these guidelines. For more information on a healthy heart, speak with your provider at 697-9500. Hi, everyone. Thank you for listening to Prairie Doc Radio. Our guests this morning are Dr. Rick Holm and Dr. Kelly Evans. Thank you for listening and call us anytime at 692-1430 if you have a question. Um, okay, from where would you like to go from here? Well, um, how about the question of uh, pain? Uh, I would uh, ask Kelly to um, define the kinds of pain that we have out there. I mean, there's, are you holding on to that information or is that not a good question for you? I don't know. I mean, I, and that's maybe, yeah, so, so types of pain and sort of a, scientific sense there's a handful right we talk about neuropathic pain as a separate type of pain we talk about visceral pain as a separate type of pain as opposed to sort of the the mechanical pain of like a broken bone for example mm -hmm. um i think there's there's merit to thinking about these things when we, visceral pain is something like the pain that you feel from an internal organ and so the way those nerves are transmit pain sensations is different so for example someone who comes in with pain from gallstones might have pain in their right shoulder blade as opposed to where the gallbladder exists just because of how those how those nerves work and um, it's a spasmy pain yeah. that's relieved by opioid yeah yeah and so and so we we think about this i think about this in the clinic sometimes in regards to how to treat pain you know there are some patients who might have been given opioids for years or and are, are still having pain and some of the reason may be because their pain is primarily from a nerve and and opioids just aren't very good at treating that type of pain no 
Um, and so it's it's worth thinking about. And so sometimes it sometimes when people have chronic and and more vague pain sensations, the challenge is trying to figure out okay, what is it that's actually causing that person's right. pain? And it's not always so simple to figure out, unfortunately. You know uh, that uh, the opioids, you know, the narcotics, mm -hmm. um, stop, slow down the peristalsis. It runs through the small gut, the large gut, the bladder, the kidneys, the mm -hmm. uterus, the um, uh, fallopian tubes. All of those get better with that, the, the uh, narcotic. But it, you give the narcotic, everybody's happy, and you, s you don't go forward making the diagnosis. Mm -hmm. So that's a problem with uh, opioids and covering up the diagnosis. The neuropathic pain is just darn tough. To it can treat. be really tough to treat. Sometimes our, we, I mean, we have agents that target that type of pain in different ways, um, but it doesn't. It's it's really individualized. I found some some people have great relief from certain types of medication. Some people have little relief and lots of side effects from those medicines. So. You know, these, these non-opioid medicines aren't without side effects themselves. A lot of them can cause some generalized well, neuropathic side effects, too. People feel tired. People feel groggy. All those things. Tylenol has a tendency to have withdrawal. I mean, you can have withdrawal pain from Tylenol. The, the headache experts, Carol Nelson, mm -hmm. uh, told me that. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, even, you know, that rebound symptom Tylenol is a significant rebound right yeah so I try not to take too much pain medicine that's the key and so yeah they I can all probably this. lose efficacy yeah, yeah I think every one of them so I kind of move it around and you do want to be careful of course I think about children but you want to make sure that you know Tylenol ibuprofen are all put away particularly ibuprofen can be problematic for children mm -hmm. if they take large doses so please <coughs> be careful in that aspect as well well and so can tylenol acetaminophen sure and uh, uh in fact i was in this town 10 years ago 15 years ago when a gentleman overdosed in acetaminophen mm -hmm. and died mm -hmm. you know 20 year old guy mm -hmm big hefty guy they just took a bottle of it mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. it tough crazy i mean he didn't realize that tylenol poisoning is a real deal mm -hmm. yeah. so he's gone he's gone uh maybe we should move to our second break and again we'll encourage you to call us with questions we do have too yay we'll be Thank right you. back um to answer the questions that you've called in and please call us at 692-1430. The American Academy of Pediatrics has issued media guidelines for preschoolers that are helpful for parents and grandparents. Under the age of two, media should be very limited and only used when adults are standing by to co-view, talk, and teach. For example, video chatting with family along with their parents. For children 18 to 24 months, if you want to introduce digital media, choose high quality programming and use media together with your child. For children aged two to five, limit screen time to no more than one hour per day. 
Find other activities for your children to do that are healthy for their bodies and mind. Choose media that is interactive, nonviolent, educational, and pro-social. If you have questions about social media for children, speak with your primary care provider at the Avera Medical Group, Brookings, 697-9500. Hello, this is Joni Holm filling in for Joan Hogan, and this is Prairie Doc Radio. Thank you for listening. I'm going to roll right into a question that was sent in. A 69-year-old woman asked, uh, that you mentioned a sleep aid in a program a few weeks ago to be taken instead of Ambien. What was it that you mentioned, and why should they avoid opioid, or excuse me, benzos um, in a sleep aid? Well, I'm not saying an absolute avoid benzos. I'm saying, you know, if you if you only use a benzo once a week, you're probably okay. But boy, is it addictive. And then when you stop it, you have rebound sleeplessness. So I I don't know if you agree with me, Kelly. I'm, I'm I do. We we share this. We've shared the soapbox numerous times <laughs> on the radio show and otherwise, Rick. Yeah. <laughs> so I yeah. was. So I think hoping. probably what you you may have mentioned, and this might have been the last show I was here, but you probably I don't know. Maybe it comes up every other week here. Um, it, trazodone is something that I prescribe not infrequently for sleep, or sometimes mirtazapine or something like that. Um, no. I, rec- I usually recommend people at least try over-the-counter mel- melatonin, melatonin because mm-hmm. some people have great luck with that, and it's it's pretty benign. Um, but, yeah, th- 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 when it comes to both benzodiazepines, which include, you know, lorazepam and the like, or the Zolpidems or Ambien's, they, they are problematic. More side effects, more – it's very difficult for people to get off of those if they've been taking Hooks. them for a long time. Hooks. But besides the being hooked on it, isn't it true that you're going to ha- potentially have a, a foggier brain and and then potentially even an increased risk for falls? Yeah, yeah. I mean that – and There's then if you're – There's all kinds of evidence for that in oh. people over 65 in particular, that it increases fall risk. It's on this beers list, which is sort of a list of medications that's out there that the geriatricians said say Don't do not prescribe you. to anybody over 65, <laughs> includes all of those sleep aids. Well, I think in, you know, in our everyday life, our fear of being addicted is maybe not that high, uh, you know, not so worrisome. But the idea of not being as clear for, you know, whatever conversations for driving mm-hmm. and then an increased risk of fall is, is something... Right, that we all need to think about. Yeah. Well, I agree. And the other thing with those types of medicines is they tend to, your brain, if you take them for a long time, does develop tolerance. It just makes more receptors. So what people find over time is that the same dose of that medicine tends to be ineffective at a certain point in time. Um, And so sometimes those are opportunities to try and change therapies rather than escalate the dose or something like that. But I've really been impressed with metolazone and trazodone. Those are drugs that are not benzos. They don't have addictive potential. People get off of them relatively easily. What about uh, like that fall risk? N- not not there. They're considered safe in, yeah. in elderly mirtazapine and trazodone. Yeah. They're essentially old antidepressants that we don't really use for that specific indication yeah. often anymore because our newer antidepressants are more effective for that. Mm -hmm. And they tend to make people drowsy, which is exactly what we're trying to do for for this thing, so. Okay, so bottom line, go in and see your 
primary care provider and talk to them about your sleep issues. I mean, it, there, we also need to think about um, sleep apnea. There's a variety of sure. things. So let's not just say we're, we're having trouble sleeping. Let's get it looked at mm-hmm. yeah. so we know what we're dealing with. All right. Um, um, and, you know, I don't know if we harangued on sleep hygiene enough. Uh, a regular exercise program really helps sleep mm-hmm. better than almost anything. You know, you get in shape, boy, it's hard to f- not feel good physically. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, take the TV out of the bedroom, yeah. you know, cooler bedroom, all those things. Yeah, I think, mo- you know, modern life is an enemy to sleep, partly because we all have our smartphones in front of us so often. A, a lot of us might lay in bed and look at our smartphone at the end of the night. And <laughs> that's that's the enemy of sleep when it comes to what your brain wants to do. Those right. blue lights tend to trick your brain into thinking it's daytime. Yeah, I found a incriminating sense, so. kind of a nod on your... <laughs> <laughs> and we really need to avoid the screen time with teenagers as well. Um, that well, and younger, but um, our teenagers are definitely in that ballpark with taking their mm-hmm. screen. So they actually should be yeah. collected by parents yeah. and not allowed in the bedroom. Yeah, I mean the sleep experts say two hours before your scheduled bedtime, probably no screens, no televisions, computers, smartphones, and Ugh. that sounds difficult to a lot of people i mean that's but if you're having trouble with sleep and you want to do better without medications those are the things that you would want to try to do yep yep, yep. and uh, another issue um and i'm i'm certainly no expert so i'm asking you guys but alcohol we tend to think that alcohol is helpful for sleep but i believe it is not helpful for sleep no. mm-hmm. so why don't you st- address that a little please the, the studies show that alcohol disrupt sleep you know you have more middle of the night awakening mm-hmm. uh you know and and you have withdrawal anxiety in the morning when you when, when yeah. you're hung over and you feel lousy right i think you naturally don't make it to those deeper stages of restorative sleep you tend to have shallower sleep wake up more frequently and interestingly the benzodiazepines tend to do the same thing they kind of affect the same type of receptors in the brain so they help you fall asleep maybe but you may not get as good a quality sleep as you would otherwise that's excellent information and and things that you know we don't maybe don't address enough and um this caller may feel that effect of of going to sleep more easily, but the fact that it may not be restorative sleep is could make all the difference. So, mm-hmm. thank you for that question. I would like to move to the next question. Uh, a 65 year old female calls and says, uh, "Can you get shingles running down the middle of your upper arms?" She's had shingles twice, and she has had the shingles vaccine. Hmm. Well. Kelly, what, what would well, you I mean, the answer? short answer is yes. You can get shingles really from head to toe right. if it's on one side of your body. I would say if you've had shingles twice, in most cases, you will get it in the same distribution that you've had it before. I suppose that's not a, a rule. There's always exceptions to the rule. But yeah, I mean, shingles could happen anywhere. I, I saw someone in clinic recently who unfortunately had it in what I say is the worst place to get shingles, which is on the forehead and around the eye. But yeah. yeah. I was okay. I mean, you. 
Yes, we said he saw the eye doctor and didn't have shingles inside his eye or ocular, but but I was worried about that, so yeah. Well, tell me, um, you know, when we think of shingles often, you know, most people think about the rash. Now, could this person, it sounds like she's experiencing the, the neuropathy aspect, the tingly aspect that we also hear. Would it be likely that she would develop a rash if it, indeed it is shingles, or could it well, just be internal? Is it likely that she would repeat that question? Develop a rash so that it becomes more obvious to her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, usually if people have pre-shingle kind of symptom and you think, okay, this could be shingles, uh, sometimes it doesn't show it. And, and it is, it is a um, uh, shingles infection. Mm-hmm. So you have to realize that uh, sometimes the presentation is really unusual mm-hmm. and that's the nature of this question could it be these other things i would say less likely though mm-hmm. and something else is going on i would say in that woman Should i would make she sure she i would make sure she sees somebody right yeah yeah because now what about um uh, antiviral even when you've been multiple cases yeah. of shingles you still could do that yeah i think if you think it could be shingles or if it's bothersome enough it's worthwhile to go be seen because if if clinically it is consistent with shingles, if you treat within the first 48 hours with those antivirals, you decrease the duration of symptoms and you decrease your risk of having post-herpetic neuralgia, which is that chronic pain that can happen after shingles. That's really the pits of yeah. our shingles. So I, go, pre- I go with uh, acyclovir. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's less expensive, but it's what, five times a day? Yeah, that's yeah. the downer. So. Pain to take. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I- the other things that could be going on would be something like neurologic, you know, mm-hmm. with a pinched nerve or something like that with her arm. So yeah. we encourage you to go in yeah. and get that checked. Yeah. Very good. Well, why don't we take our final break and then we will be back and certainly would entertain more questions at 692-1430. Thank you. Millions of people in the United States are not getting screened for colorectal cancer as recommended. They are missing the chance to prevent colorectal cancer or to find it early when treatment often leads to a cure. The vast majority of new cases of colorectal cancer, about 90%, occur in people who are 50 or older. The U.S. Preventative Services Task Force recommends screening beginning at age 50. If you think you may be at increased risk for colorectal cancer, learn your family history and ask your doctor if you should begin screening before age 50. Talk with your provider at the Avera Medical Group Brookings, 697-9500. Welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. This is Joni Holm filling in for Joan Hogan. Thank you all for listening. Um, So we've discussed our two questions. We don't have any more right now. What other topic would you guys like to... Coronavirus. Exactly what I was thinking as well. You know, we're going to have... It may well be that we'll have a a spread over the world pandemic. And, uh, you know, uh, it's going to be more aggressive than the flu. And it will kill a fair amount of people. If. If If we can stop it. I'll be very surprised. Well, the only thing I guess I, I, and I just wrote this up in our church bulletin, is right now, let's not get 
frantic because it we don't have it here and it is something right. that it's we can protect against with good hand washing and probably staying away from most, ill people i'm sorry I, I didn't mean to interrupt you but the most important preventative uh is going to be hand washing right i mean you can uh who knows what's in the air and i suppose in uh, very contaminated areas you'd want to do a mask um but i think for the most part it's the hand washing that that matters don't you agree kelly yeah i mean i think we we i believe this has been shown to spread via respiratory droplets is that right yeah so i mean in technically if you're in proximity to someone who coughs droplets into the air you could inhale those so that's i mean that's what that, well, if you're in, if masks. you're flying internationally you're probably going to see a lot of people in masks and well i'd, I don't know. I'd wear one I, I, yeah i don't know that that's a that's the wrong thing to do um but it's those re- respiratory things are going to be challenging to isolate i mean especially because i think there's a long incubation pe- period so people have potential to transmit this without showing symptoms first um, is is probably going to be the biggest challenge. Now, right now, we still have influenza in the community. Yes, Uh, we do. And I am We do have influenza here, so worry about influenza. Exactly. (laughs) So if you haven't gotten your flu shot, you can still get one. But mainly try to stay away from others who are ill. If you have influenza, please stay home. Please don't transmit it Mm -hmm. to others. If you're sick, you know, that... That was a th- idea that I, I never accepted it wh- while we were raising kids. Nobody's going to stay home. at. The <laughs> <laughs> we're all going to school. You know, you're not going to wimp out. <laughs> and they would go to school and spread it all over the school. <laughs> Thanks, Dr. Holm. <laughs> I was wrong. You yeah, know, I do think we want to keep kids home. and, and pr- Well, more so with kids who don't have the good hand hygiene and droplet. The, the young, young. Yeah, young, so. Young. How old? How old? What? Would that group be that you're you're? Uh, well, all all kids, you know, <laughs> you know they're going to have runny noses and sharing, yeah. and everybody should stay home if they are actively sick until those symptoms have resolved, and you know, we give them a couple of days. I mean, if it's if if it's a cold, that's a different thing. But when you've got the aches all over, ache all over, high fever, it influenza, then. Give it a little more time than normal, yeah. than you might normally. Uh, that's a good uh, point. Yeah. What else is going around the clinic? You know, since Rick and I are not there on a daily basis anymore. Yeah, I mean, I think we there's always a degree of there's infectious gastroenteritis that we'll see a handful of cases per week, and and that's another thing that I usually tell people is pretty highly infectious. So if you're actively having nausea, vomiting, diarrhea, fever, those are things that are easily passed and stay home from school or work yep. and, and, and that kind of thing. And uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but the gastrointestinal viruses, which are very, very infectious, you know, like they say, Shigella, one, one colony or one drop so, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, hand washing is in is paramount mm-hmm. because uh, the hand sanitizers don't work on diarrhea. They yeah. they don't diarrhea kill it. Yeah, I think I, I think some some do, but some illnesses certainly C diff would be the classic one that definitely is not killed off by hand sanitizer. So soap and 
water is, so what do you the, say? is the old standby. A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J. While you wash your hands, you know, they talk about two minutes, and that's a long, Ooh. long time. Yeah, that is a long yeah. time um, to wash your hands. Soap and water and decrease, the soap helps to, you know, increase the friction and remove the, the germs. Yeah. And, Bob, um, do you, how often do you uh, wash your hands? <laughs> oh, do <laughs> you remember that cartoon with Gary Larson? Guys walking out of the bathroom, and suddenly all the lights and whistles and bells are ringing and it flashing. Didn't wash hands. Didn't wash hands. Didn't. Yeah. <laughs> it wouldn't be all bad, <laughs> particularly as we're teaching young people the, yeah. to, uh, <laughs> to have something like that. Um, it is important. Uh, do you want to mention tomorrow night's show yeah. one more time before we run out of time? I think that if you look at, uh, you know, through the 18 years of, of doing TV, that um, the one of my favorite guests, it's got to be in the top 50, really, top 20 maybe, uh, is Mark Harlow. Do you know? Do no, you know I, him, don't, him? I don't know that I've met he's and he's just He's an orthopedist, so retired orthopedist. A retired yeah. orthopedist, and he's trying to do this um, an effort to, to save people's lives, socioeconomically. Mm -hmm. yeah. So, I mean, he's just a hero guy. I don't know the other person, but we. it looks like we've got one minute left. Well, 90, <laughs> no, 84... We wanted to say thank you for listening to Prairie Doc Radio. Uh, we invite you to watch On Call with the Prairie Doc most Thursday nights at 7 p.m. on South Dakota Public Broadcasting or watch it on Prairie Doc at face on our Facebook page. Be sure to follow us on Facebook or go to our website, www.prairiedoc.org, for access to the full Prairie Doc Library of Information. And you got it all in. I did. And so <laughs> we want to say thank you, thank you, thank you, Kelly, for yep, being here. Yeah, my pleasure. And uh, she'll be a backup for me tomorrow night if I can't, if I can't, uh, if I get into trouble. Who's that guy? Uh, Eric's here to just kind of watch our oldest son. It's a joy. Hello. Good to see you. <laughs> <laughs> and Bob's here too. So uh, people, stay healthy out there.